to the Value Coffee Talk podcast. Hi, I'm April Morley. And I'm Tom Pasello, the ROI guy. This podcast is a service of the Enterprise Value Collective, a community for value-focused leaders and practitioners, and sponsored by our value consultancy, Genius Drive. Our mission, that's to help accelerate and optimize the value articulation in each of your customer engagements and throughout your customer lifecycle. We're here with our coffee and dirty chai, and our guest today is Michael Farber. He's the CEO and founder of Value Platform Provider, The ROI Shop. Welcome, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here, Tom. Good to be here, April. Awesome. Years ago, I know that you came from this from the selling perspective. You were a seller. Uh, you recognized the need to be more focused, have an outcomes-based approach. Tell us a little bit about that experience and how you came to that epiphany. Well, it's funny. It, it was forced upon me. I, I, I can't say I came up with it on my own. I was actually forced to use an ROI tool with a big prospect I was working with back in my selling days, uh, I was selling for Concur Technologies and they had an Excel-based ROI calculator that they rolled out and lo and behold, nobody ever used. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I was working with a company called Bacardi USA. Everybody knows Bacardi. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a big account of mine and I was working with the controller there whose name was Warren. And he goes, Mike, we really want to move forward with your solution, but we're going to need a business case, you know, in order to push this through. And I said, all right, Warren, no problem. I know we have a tool like that. And it, Took me, I don't know, a day or two to even locate it. Uh, it took me about a week to muddle through it because it had like 15 tabs across the bottom. It was very complex. We've all seen those. And um, I flew down a day early. I sat down with Warren. We built it out together. By no means was I smooth. We muddled through it. And after the call, he goes, Mike, I got to tell you, this is one of the better tools that I've seen. So uh, I thought to myself, okay, all right, I'm no schmuck. Maybe I have a competitive advantage here. I didn't enjoy doing it. If he didn't ask me to do it, I would have never done it. But I started utilizing it. And after using it three or four times, it completely changed the way I sold. Absolutely changed it. And that's what dawned on me. I'm like, wow, there is there is a huge opportunity here to build a better mousetrap. Um, but yeah, my conversations changed. I knew who was going to buy, who wasn't going to buy, who was kicking tires. My discount rates dropped. And it was just a different conversation. And uh, that was really the brainchild of, you know, starting something. Wow. So it was really the impact that you were seeing with your customers that really motivated you to want to scale this out? Uh, 100%. If it was just, if he didn't make that comment to me, my life would have been in a completely different direction. So I've tried to find and locate Warren. I can't remember his last name. He's Bias Bricardi. I haven't, but... You changed my life if you're yeah, watching Warren, this. if you're out there, thank you, thank you. We need to find Warren. <laughs> and uh, Michael, this became your motivation to help automate the value approach. Talk about the need for this to help sellers and ultimately to scale and how maybe the approach that, you know, Concur at least had a spreadsheet for you, but how that approach might not be the best approach. Yeah, well, salespeople by nature, at least, you know, me and a lot of my colleagues think differently. We're, we're not math wizards, you know, mm -hmm. unless it comes to calculating our commissions, then all of a sudden we're geniuses yeah, for some reason. That's the decimal point at that but, point. Uh. 
<laughs> exactly. I don't know how it happens. But um, so salespeople just tend to focus on the whiz bang, you know, get the good discovery, let's show them the demo and then cross your fingers and hope it closes. But those times have changed. All, you know, the C string, you know, are clutching their pearls these days and watching every dollar going out the door. Most of the time you, you don't even have access to these folks. So you're leaving it up to your champion to sell it internally. And they don't think with an ROI, they talk about, yes, it will help our processes, but the C-level folks, they want to know the impact on the bottom line. And if it's a non unbudgeted project, which many of the opportunities we work are, you know, they're not, they're outbound generated leads and you've got to steal budget from something else. The only way you're going to do that is if you can show your offering is going to help them make or save money. And that's really the bottom line. And most salespeople don't have that ability because either companies haven't given them anything or they gave them an outdated, complex, error-prone Excel spreadsheet that reps don't feel comfortable using, so they're not going to use it. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of companies are facing that with the manual approach to calculating value. Um, and, you know, I guess this is related is that we see that a lot of sellers or sales engineers really have a challenge in adopting value selling tools. I'm just curious, like, why you think that is and what we can do about it. Um, one thing is overcomplication. You know, sometimes I think people take a sledgehammer to a thumbtack and it's just too complex. Like I said, salespeople, if a sales engineer builds it, it's going to be too complex for a salesperson. So it mm -hmm. has to be easy to use. Um, and for many sellers, they've never sold like this before. So it's very new to them. And you can't throw a kid who's never ridden a bike on a 10 speed and say, here you go. You got to start small and easy and you could always build on to it. So, um, I think the number one thing is it's over complex um, to start with. Uh, I think companies try to boil the ocean and show every dollar you can make or save them. Uh, I suggest you focus on two or three key areas. Companies buy for two or three, not five or six. So if I go back to my expense selling days, you know, the three areas we knew that customers were struggling with was it takes too long to create an expense report. It takes too long for the back end to review it and type it into the accounting system and policy enforcement. Those were the three. Could we help with storage savings? Yes. Could we help with uh, reporting on expenses? Yes. But that's not why companies buy. So, you know, if reps can do a, a kick-ass job on three rather than an okay job on six, it's going to make it easier for them. Yeah. And Michael, there's a neuroscience. Um, less is more bias is what I've called it. Uh, but there's a neuroscience basis for what you're saying. When you're presented with five, six, seven benefits, or even five, six, seven pieces of a demo or features or whatever it may be in a buying decision, you're actually averaging all of those together rather than adding them. And everyone thinks, oh, if yeah. you've got a million dollar benefit in one and two million in another and 500 in another and 50 in another, and it's starting to dwindle down 25, 10, but you want to mention all of them and you got six or seven stacked up that the buyer's going to add them all together. And no, 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 it's not that. They'll actually average mm -hmm. them. And so you're doing a disservice by presenting almost too many. So you've got to present Absolutely. enough to overcome the status quo bias, which is the bias to stick with where you are today. 
and the cost and risk of change is amplified in that environment. So you need a substantial amount of benefits to motivate a change, but less is more bias than comes into play. And you can't present too many because the user's gonna, the buyer's gonna average them out and actually decrease the amount of benefits as you're stacking these. Yeah, yeah. I'd also added, sometimes the ROI gets too big and it becomes unbelievable and you shoot yourself in the foot there. So, you know, more not is not necessarily better. Yeah, absolutely. And and so we have had a lot of conversation about ROI calculators for web, websites and people say sometimes they don't like them because they're not as effective as they want them to be. How can you assure success of your value marketing efforts? Uh, one is keep it simple, four to six questions max, otherwise the abandonment rate is huge. You can't have too funky of a math number where you plug in one thing and it populates five outputs and it's just magic behind the curtains because people distrust that. Um, some companies gate their calculator prior to getting to it. Nobody likes anything gated anymore. You know, you fill it mm -hmm. out and then you hit, let me see my results. And all of a sudden you got to populate it with your email address. And, you know, that's not a good feeling either. Um, so once again, it goes back to keeping it simple, make the math logical where they could, you know, see, okay, I understand where that outcome's coming from. If you want to gate some things, um, what we've done in the past is, you know, a lot of times with these ROI calculators, they don't just show one output. They show a time savings, a labor benefit, an increased revenue, where maybe you show three things and then blur out the other two that say available and report. So you give a little bit of a teaser for them to mm -hmm. fill it out. But, um, you know, the website calculators are just to start that financial buying journey earlier and to get their attention. It's not to, it's not to bring to the CFO and say, this is why we yeah. need it. So I don't know if that answered your question, but. It just goes to believability and simplicity. It does, Michael. I think. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I think it's because uh, it's more about setting the right expectation, right? It's really intended to start the conversation, uh, not close the conversation. So if you can start the conversation with value, then you can uh, progress it throughout the sales cycle. Yeah, and Michael, I've used some yeah. of those same guidelines. You know, keep it simple so you don't have too many inputs. The output show a summary, but provide a way for the user to drill into some of the assumptions and maybe even change them. Like don't make it too much of a black box where it's type in seven numbers and get a couple of magical results back and not know where they came from. And I agree with you that you got to show some results and show some value before you ask someone for their lead information. And the other thing I think that gives them a bad rap is, um, you know, trying to either do too little where you try to keep it too simple and you come up with a magical ROI number based on those inputs, or it gets too detailed and you're trying to do all the selling all at once in that calculator when it's just meant to be an engagement tool. And that brings me to another question that I have, you know, the name of your company, the ROI shop, I'm the ROI guy. But what we're talking about with these kind of tools and automation isn't just about calculating that ROI, right? It goes beyond that. Um, talk a little bit about the elements that you think this helps with, not ROI, but more business case, value discovery, some of those elements. So yeah, in the application, you could build in discovery. So a lot of reps are just winging it on the phone. They have an idea what they want to get out of it, but it's not a standardized process. Um, 
and the ability to add interactive discovery questions in the calculator. We, we, you know, we, we don't create just a calculator. You plug in numbers and it spits out something and that's it. You know, when you get to those soft dollar savings, like a productivity improvement, and, you know, when you talk about how you can save 600 hours and it equates to this much in labor, that's not a true savings. Unless you're looking to get rid of somebody, they're still paying that labor. It doesn't matter if you save them that money or not. Maybe they're walking the dog more because they got more time. But having the ability for an interactive discovery question to pop up and say, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect, if we can save your accounting department 600 hours, what other strategic initiatives could they focus on? Now it changes the conversation for that opportunity cost. So sometimes reps don't know to ask that question or how to follow up with that question. So, you know, the calculators that people should be building are, you know, a lot more than just an input output. It's it's discovery throughout the input and output, if that makes sense. I completely agree. I think it's about enabling better interaction and collaboration for the seller. Uh, I think it's about enabling the seller to tell a story around the value. Uh, the ROI number certainly is an important summary level metric, but I think so much more goes into these where a business case that's produced out of the tool that gets you aligned with the strategic initiatives that Yep. Make sure you do a thorough discovery and that you collaborate with the buyer on value and that communicates the full story about the problems, challenges, the solution, the benefits, and the proof points. I think that that's ultimately what sellers need to be able to do the job right when it comes to value. Yeah, yeah. And you can design calculators based on your sales methodology, Sandler, Challenger, Gap. Medic, it's not yep. like... A different methodology mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. it actually supports all of those methodologies um so it, it's not like a competing project or our sellers are should be asking these questions now we can't ask those the calculator can be designed to incorporate your methodology so what are some of the symptoms our listeners can look for um, to know that a more value-focused approach is necessary uh too many lost decisions to the status quo ghostings especially after the demo or as soon as you deliver pricing because not all sales but most sales you do a discovery you get on the call for a demo you end the demo you say any questions and it's yeah how much is this thing going to cost me you quickly spit out a number and then they're vanished because all they heard was a price tag without you you know articulating the value that comes along with it so if you're constantly getting ghosted, you're losing the majority of your deals to no decision, that means your prospect did not see enough value to have one more conversation with you. So that, that just means that's where you, that's also where you need to insert the value calculator. So it's not just getting a calculator and giving it to your reps. They have to know where and when to use it too. It's like, you can't put a Ferrari in a driveway and say drive it if you don't know how to drive, you know, it's useless still. So. There's a lot more than just building it. It's the rollout and where to utilize yeah. it. Talk a little bit about, you know, what you think. And I've seen that as one of the Achilles heel. We talk about adoption challenges, right? If it's too complex, sellers won't adopt it. We've also seen this mentality of build it and they will come with a lot of these programs, right? The product marketing or the sales specialist or sales enablement checks the box and says, yep, we got an ROI tool. We got an ROI calculator. Here it is, sales. <laughs> I mean, they might do an introduction to them, but it takes a lot more than that to get these things 
adopted and used and supported. Yeah. Um, rollout and, you know, I don't know. Everybody hates the word mandate these days, but when I hear, yeah, we need a tool for the getting our sales reps so they have another tool in their tool belt, I want to pull out whatever hair I have left on my head because they're not going to use it. They're just, they're just not. It's a, nobody likes change and this is a big change for people. Um, so mandating, and I don't mean mandated on every deal, but say, hey, you need to use this three times this quarter, or you need to use it on deals that are above X amount of money. You know, no, no exception. Once a rep uses it a few times, like it only took me one time and thank God Warren gave me that feedback. Otherwise mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have done it until the next prospect asked mm -hmm. me to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so forcing a rep to do it and get out of their comfort zone. Directors need to be, directors need to know better than the reps. We, we've rolled out calculators and we train the reps and never train the directors. I'm like, that's not gonna work. The directors need to know it because if they know it, they'll talk mm -hmm. about it. People don't talk about things they don't know. So, um, and we also talk about, you know, when you're rolling out a calculator and s some of our most successful customers, this is what we suggest to do is, you know how directors have Monday morning calls and team calls, whatever it is. I say, take five minutes, open up the calculator, have one rep go through one section. Takes five minutes, boom. Next week, have another rep go through a different section. And just five minutes, but reps, it's always in front of their face and they hear how other reps are positioning it. Then when it gets to the beginning again, you have that first rep do a different section. So, but it's always in front of their face. And if you can do that for two months, then, then it's set it and forget it type thing. Yeah, 100%. That was my experience as well in terms of rollout, starting with the sales leadership team, because it really is that weekly meeting or the regular yeah. check-ins on a deal that will... Uh, you know, encourage people to leverage a, a value proposition. So um, I agree. Yeah. I think executive yeah. <laughs> leadership too, making sure that they're behind it. That's another uh, key mm -hmm. element. Yeah. Um, I think making sure that the sellers have had a chance to practice it because the output yeah. is uncomfortable sometimes to present. So oh, yeah. practice helps. Mm -hmm. And I do think that in those weekly meetings, after you've gotten kind of the awareness training built, then it's time to share the results where if you yeah. can get a seller or two in April, I know you've done this, a seller or two to share the wins that they've had and how they used it and what the response was, that can help. Peer pressure is a big sales motivator. They're very yeah. competitive with each other. And if one of them has something that works, they tend to want to use it. And sharing those experiencing is, I think, is good. I like your mandate aspect um, because I do think that change sometimes has to be mandated up to a certain point, but I do yeah. think that you've got to have the support to back up those mandates. So one of the things we've seen is companies have mandated it, but then they don't provide the drive along support so that the sellers feel comfortable and credible with it. So mandate it, absolutely, but do the first one with them. The first two oh, with yeah. them, maybe the first three with them and make sure they've got the support and a wing person with them so that they don't feel like they're out on their own on this, you know, suicide mission with the CFO ready to get chewed up and spit out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We always say you should get your solution engineers involved. They're a lot of times on many of the calls, they're on the demos, you know, reps have a favorite SC that they use often. Mm -hmm. 
So make sure the, and the SCs are more apt to do, to do stuff like that. You know, their mind works a little bit different. So they could help guide the rep. Hey, when are we going to do this calculator? Have you done it yet? Let's do it on this call. So don't just, exactly. Don't just leave it in the hands of the rep, you know, have that SC also involved. They should know the calculator inside and out as well. Definitely. It's a team effort, isn't it? Takes yeah, a village. Yeah, absolutely. It's a value it village. It does. It does. There's not many villages no. though. <laughs> so uh, what's the one piece of advice you have for our enterprise value collective? Um, keep it simple. I mean, buy it. I mean, if it's something you believe in to jump in with both, both feet, don't put your toe in the water. It's going to fail. I mean, jump in without that life vest, you will swim harder. Um, and keep it simple. You don't, like I said, you don't have to sell 10 or 15 areas. Start with the first two or three. You could always add more to it. The problem is if you roll out a calculator that has 15 tabs across the bottom and confusing, the rep's going to get that pit in their stomach, close it out, and they're done. But if it's only two or three, they're, they're more apt to give it a try. And then after they do, they'll come back and say, oh, can we add this? Can we add that? And then it's truly their calculator. Mm -hmm. uh, rather than sales enablement thinking we need to do this and they've never been in the trenches before. So jump in with both feet. It works. Companies buy for two reasons. You're going to make them money. You're going to save them money. That is it. And if your reps are not having that conversation, they're missing out on a huge opportunity to sell your solution and separate themselves from the competition. So great advice, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us on the Value Coffee Talk podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Thank Please you. sign up, subscribe. If you liked what you've heard, hit the like button. Those help us with our rankings and ratings. Sign up for the Enterprise Value Collective, group of value leaders, sales leaders, marketing leaders that work on this collaboratively. You can join us on LinkedIn or on the GeniusDrive.com website to stay in touch with others and share. And until next time, our Enterprise Value Collective, keep sharing and growing together.